Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, and praise the Lord. Welcome to another episode of Blog Talk Radio with Purpose Kingdom Network. You are listening to episode number 1,970, and I am your host, Arsenius Colvin, coming to you live from South Carolina. I am so excited and delighted to be back on the air once again. I hope that you've had a wonderful day. Hope your week is off to a great start. Um, I know some of us, we were able to relax a little bit yesterday in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. celebrating his legacy, but I hope that you are off to a great start. God has been so good to us. He has blessed us to see another day. He has taken us through another day, and so I'm grateful for that. So, again, I am Arsenius Colvin, and I am with One Touch Transformation, and I'd just like to welcome you to another episode. In case this is your first time listening in with One Touch Transformation, I just want to share a little bit about who I am and what this organization slash ministry is all about. First of all, I would just like to say One Touch Transformation is celebrating 10 years of existence. If I have your applause button, I'll let it play. But we are so excited about celebrating 10 years of existence. It's so hard to believe that 10 years have gone by. I mean, when you just think about how time is flying now, just to think back in 2014 when I pressed the button to establish the organization, I never would have thought that these things would have happened. But then again, I shouldn't even say that because these are things that were in my head and it was just made manifest and it came to existence. So I can't even really say I never thought it would happen because I've been planning and just dreaming of it, and it did happen. All glory to God. He has allowed us to do such wonderful things just within the community and just within the organization itself, and I am so grateful. So I am you know, a native of a small town, Hartsfield, South Carolina, very small town, but big city within itself, and, you know, grew up in a very spiritual home, always was active in church. My father was a minister. My mom sang on the choir. Of course, I was on the children's choir up until I became a teenager and joined all the other choirs that followed. Those of you who know church and know how it is, being a PK. So um, not going to go too much into details about my story because it would take all night, but the main thing I would like my listeners to know is that I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And it's, it's, it's different for every survivor, but it was a little different being a PK. You know, growing up in church and like, yo, this happens to people in church? Yes. <laughs> to be truthful, it happens more often than we think, you know, to different ones in the church. But because the church does not address these topics, no one says anything about it. 
I mean, the victims don't come forward. That's what I'm trying to say because no one talks about it. But um, and just before I go in, any further, just want to put this disclaimer out there, just in case there are any triggering moments that may feel free to hang up if you're listening online. Feel free to exit out because the last thing I want to do is re-traumatize anyone. But if at any time that you are triggered and you need to talk to someone, let me go ahead and give you that sexual assault hotline. So that number is 1-800-656-4673. Again, that number is 1-800-656-4673. And that is the sexual assault hotline. So if at any time you need to hang up, I'm telling you, are not going to hurt my feelings. I won't take it personal because I understand there are times when, you know, our heart and our, our emotions we can't take certain things when those familiar moments or memories begin to resurface and it may cause you to experience anxiety. So please, please, please feel free to hang up or click out, exit out, whatever you need to do to take care of your, your mental health. But also make sure you take down that number, that 1-800-656-4673. All right, so I want to make sure I gave that out before I move any further. All right, so again, I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. I was molested at the age of six by a family member, and I was silent for 20 years. I never said anything about it. I never, you know, in my opinion, showed any signs because my family never knew about it. I never displayed any behavior that would have indicated that I was molested. And so for 20 years, I never said a word about it. Um, honestly, I tried to hide it in the back of my mind. I tried to forget about it and trick myself into thinking that it never happened. And for a while, it worked. And that's what a lot of survivors do. Whenever survivors don't come forward or when victims don't come forward, they will suppress or try to suppress those memories so that they don't have to talk about it, so they won't have to think about it. And that was me, which is why I entitled, you know, the past couple of weeks I've been talking about, I used to be Tamar, and I'll get more into detail about that as we continue, but try to suppress those memories and suppress those those traumatic experiences that I had to endure. And so in doing that, I didn't have to talk about it. I didn't have to think about it. And because there was no real conversation about sexual abuse or sexual assault or rape or molestation not being held, you know, in the home, in the community, or in the church, then I saw no need to really even speak about it. And that's I'm pretty sure that's how it was for everyone else who has never shared their story or who waited years to share their story. Because if you think about it, if no one is talking about it, if no one is having the conversation, then why should I even bring it up? Do you even care enough to talk about it? Do you not think that it's happening? Or do we just think everyone is living in this perfect world where we're not dealing with any type of traumatic experiences? Well, you know, that's how I felt. And when I look back over the years and think about even some of the things that I've watched on television, the things that I've seen in movies, I have seen rape scenes before or things that kind of alluded to rape scenes because, of course, they, don't, they may not show the full scenario, but I have seen different scenes and, and different things in movies and television where it alluded to where someone was being raped. And the crazy thing about it is it's still never you know, 
it never resurfaced back in my mind. And I often think that, like, why didn't it? Then it lets me know that I suppressed it so much and so far in the back of my mind that anything that ever came close to dealing with rape or abuse, it was just out of my mind. I hid it so far, and it was so deep that I didn't even think about it. I didn't want to talk about it. And it was as if it never happened. But on the other hand, I knew it had happened. But it was like, uh, forget about it. Uh, it was in the past. I don't need to talk about it. I don't need to revisit it. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I thought I was good because, look, it's not hurting me. I, I'm not showing any effects. I'm not showing any, you know, after effects. Nothing is bothering me. I, I'm good. So I thought, but I was I was far from good the older I got. That's when I began to experience some of the effects of sexual abuse. And that's where it becomes dangerous. Because it happened to me as a child at the age of six, think about that's when our mind is still developing. That's when we're still growing. We're still learning. We're soaking in things. A child's mind is like a sponge. So even in that moment and during that childhood period, I'm taking all of this in. I'm learning something new or being introduced to something that I had no business being introduced at that age. So now I'm confused. Now I'm trying to figure out, okay, what is going on with my body? What is going on with my emotions? What is going on just in general? Like, I know this isn't supposed to be right, but this is an adult that I'm supposed to trust, an adult who's supposed to make, you know, the right decisions. But now this adult is making a decision decision for me, and it doesn't feel right. I'm asking myself, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to say something, or am I supposed to just go with it because he is an adult? So, so many questions that that are juggling in my mind, and, and I'm sure in the child, in the mind of, of other children who have experienced the same traumatic experience. And so often, you know, I look back and I'm like, why didn't I say stop? Why didn't I scream? Why didn't I say anything even after the fact? Well, something inside of me, you know, told me that I was ashamed or embarrassed, even though I, I, I wasn't thinking that at that age. But a part of me, a part of my mind knew that whatever had happened was embarrassing and was shameful. And so that's why I didn't say anything. I was just a child, and I'm like, who's going to believe me? Is is everyone going to be upset with me? So all of these thoughts in my head, so I chose to just let it go. I chose not to say anything. I chose not to speak up. I chose to just, hmm, I guess that's how it is. It is what it is. But that was not the case. And so fast forward to where I am today, where I am now, looking back and looking at that six-year-old and looking at that, that teenager who was dealing with those thoughts and those emotions and still having to see my perpetrator and still not saying anything, even when I became of age and still knew what happened and realized that what happened was wrong, I still did not say anything. And there were times I questioned myself and wondered why I did not. But I knew that, you know, it wasn't my fault. I know I can't turn back time. 
but there were different questions in my head, you know, questioning God, like, why did it have to happen to me? Why did you choose me to go through this? Why me? And, 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 you know, these are different questions or some of the questions that victims ask themselves and, and ask God and, and ask their loved ones, like, what did I do? Or what sign or what did I give off? Like, do, did, I, did I have a target on my back? You know, sometimes we, we feel like we, were, we had a target on our back. Did I really look that vulnerable? You know, all of these questions at six years old and even as a teenager when, you know, even thinking about it, like, why? Like, how did this? But, again, looking back over those years and where I am now, I, you know, I was six years old, and now I am 37. I just turned 37. And... So much has occurred in my life, so much growth, um, along with the pain, therapy, um, good times, bad times, milestones of achievement, of just, you know, especially finding my voice, starting One Touch Transformation. One of the greatest accomplishments that I feel that I've done in my life, because not only did I overcome the childhood sexual abuse, but I made the decision to help others find their voice. And don't get it twisted, this has not been about me. I realize that it has not been about me. This has always been about, you know, glorifying God and making sure others find true freedom, making sure that they are able to find their voice, regain their power, because believe it or not, those of you who have been suffering in silence for the longest, your voice is there. Your power is there. You just have to find it. And and that's what I realized over the years. Like, my voice, it was within me, but I just had to dig deep enough within. I had to make that decision to find my voice. I had to make the decision to regain the power that was, you know, somehow stolen from me. So even though, even though the enemy tried to steal your voice, even though the enemy tries to silence you and think that you have no power, I'm here to remind you and to encourage you that there is power within your voice. It is there. It is there. And and I don't care how long you have been silent. I don't care how long you have felt powerless or felt like you cannot overcome. Guess what? You can and you shall. And that's what I have learned over the past years going through my journey. And and don't get me wrong, it is not just an overnight journey. It's not a one-year journey because we know that healing is not linear. It is, I I wish it was. (laughs) We all wish that it was linear, but it's not. Healing has its ups and downs. It looks different for each individual. No one has the same journey. No one is going to heal in the same time frame. We all have a different journey. We all have a a story to tell, a story to share. And we may not even share our story the same way. Everyone may not even share their story on the same platform. You may not share your story in front of a whole entire auditorium or in front of a room. But you may share your story with one or two people. But whoever you share your story with, I am a firm believer that your story is for at least someone to hear. 
someone has been assigned to hear your story. That's what I believe. So I understand and I get it if you don't want to share your story with the whole world. That is perfectly fine. That is perfectly fine. It is your story, your testimony. So do not do not make anyone or allow anyone to think that you have to share your story at a certain time, in a certain place, or a certain way. Remember, this is your story. God has taken you through this experience, and God will allow you to share it the way that he wants you to because he knows what's best. He knows our end from the beginning, so he already knows, you know, what's laid out before us. Remember, because his thoughts, they're not like our thoughts and his ways are not like our ways. So we're we're on his time doing it his way and not our way or anyone else's who feel like they can dictate how you're supposed to share your testimony. Like no one told me how or told me when to share my story. So do not allow anyone to do the same for you. Your story is unique. Your story is a part of God's glory. Your story has power. Your story is meaningful. Your story, it has been shaped just for you, even if you do not understand everything about it. And trust me, there will be days, there will be times, there will be moments where you don't understand why you went through what you went through. The main thing I want you to know is that your story is still for God's glory. And I know it takes, uh, you know, some maturity to get into that point because it took me time to get there. It took me time. Like, I really had to uh, get to a point where I, you know, accepted what happened. Because, remember, we cannot change what happened. We cannot reverse time. We can't go back in time. And so I had to get to a place, and maybe you're not there yet, and it's okay. But I had to get to a place when I accepted what happened. And not just accept what happened, but I used what happened for God's glory. I used it to become stronger. I used it to become wiser. I used it to, to help others because my desire is for those who have not found their voice to just find true freedom, to find true peace, to have that true joy and that strength. That only comes from God because I tell you, if it had not been for God, for real, for real, this is not just a cliche. You know, the, the old cliche, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, like I'm telling you, if it had not been for God who was on my side, I really do not know where I would be. I mean, I can name a few places where I could have been, but <laughs> I thank God I'm not there. I, I sincerely thank God. I truly thank God that I am not there. I mean, I could have been crazy. I could have been some crazy places. I could have been some dangerous places. But thank God for, you know, his His, his grace and his mercy and who his power that has kept me all these years. And I know it was only God. It It had to be God. It had to be. And so... Going through my experience is what compelled me to start One Touch Transformation. You know, even after going through therapy, after doing my own research, looking for resources that help spiritually and resources that would, you know, 
show the, the 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 other side of it, not just the effects of it, because I I know the effects too well. So it's like I didn't want to read even more about it, but I wanted to know what it felt like to be on the other side, and that's what I want to show others. I want to be a, a living witness for those who have not gotten to the other side. I want to be a bridge. Let me help you walk over to the other side. Meet me halfway or I'll meet you halfway so that you can experience true freedom. And so I was looking for resources that showed me how to get on the other side and, you know, what light we can pull out of this dark, traumatic experience. And so when I couldn't find what I was looking for, it prompted me to start One Touch Transformation. And so our mission has always been to educate the community about sexual abuse while encouraging and empowering all victims and survivors. Because believe it or not, a lot of people are not educated when it comes to, you know, sexual abuse, rape, uh, assault, molestation. But, you know, there's a difference in all of that, but we're not going to get into that. But I would like to at least bring our attention to just in general what sexual assault is because we have heard so many cases in the news now, you know, for the past, I would say, 10 years, and it seems like it's just becoming more prevalent. It's been growing more and more. Um, we've had the Me Too movement that has been going on um, a few years back, but, you know, sexual assault is not something new. It's not anything new that just started. It dates back, you know, further than we can even think. It dates back even into the Bible, which is what we'll get to shortly. Um, we're going to do the part two of it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I started off sharing how sexual assault is found in the Bible. So I'm trying to figure out why we don't talk about it in church. Why aren't there, you know, just an open dialogue about it? When there's conversation, then we can have um, – Awareness, and when we have conversation and awareness, then that helps us to, you know, pretty much have prevention. So conversation, awareness helps with prevention or leads to prevention. And if we have prevention, then we can catch these things before it becomes rampant in our community and especially in our church. But how can we prevent it if we don't talk about it? How can we be aware of it if we don't talk about it? So, again, we've got to have conversation for, number one, conversation so that we then have awareness, and that leads us to prevention. So those those three things definitely need to take place within our home, within our community, and within our congregation or in the church. And I'm talking about within the church as a whole. And I know some people may not know where to begin, and that is okay. That's why you have resources outside of the church. You have access to many resources, whether it's online or just within your community itself. If you don't know where to begin, duh, all you got to do is go on Google, and I'm pretty sure you can find some resources or some um, resources in your local area or in your community that can help you begin this conversation and to spread the awareness so that you can have prevention going on. And my favorite place to have these conversations is the church. <laughs> favorite place to have the conversation about sexual assault is the church. Why? Because people come out fidgety. People are so uncomfortable 
but how are we uncomfortable about a subject that is silencing so many people in the church? Make it make sense. We're either going to talk about it or we're going to ignore it. The more we ignore it, the more it continues to grow. If we're to be the light and if the church is supposed to be the place of healing, then we've got to have some uncomfortable conversations. That's all to it. And if you know if it was hope, if you know if it was happening in the Bible, then hey, we're right in line by having this conversation, and we can see as we read what it did to these individuals. Nine times out of ten, women. We can see what it did to these women, how it made them feel. So why would you put these children in danger or neglect to talk about it or have these conversations and have these children suffer and then? grow up and become adults who are hurting, who are bleeding, who are just suffering silently. Come on. We've got a job to do. This is not just all this is not just on the pastor either. So I'm not even putting it all on the pastor, but it begins at the head. So pastors, I encourage you, I admonish you to like look, have these conversations. This doesn't have to take place in a normal church service or a church gathering, but come on, we can have meetings. We can have group discussions. We can have an open dialogue. Bring someone into your church who knows how to handle these situations and can help you and guide you in case you have someone to come forward and say, hey, this happened to me, or to say, me too, or to say, I don't know what to do. What's going to happen when they come and approach you? You don't know where to send them. You don't know the first place or the first thing to say. This is why it's important, again, to have conversations so that it can lead us to awareness and lead us to prevention. All right? So, again, I gave out the sexual assault hotline, and we can begin there. Like, I even encourage all the listeners to even post the sexual assault hotline the last time I was on. So I'm going to give that number out. So just in case if you're just not joining again, you're listening to another episode of Purpose Kingdom Network with Arthenius Colvin with One Touch Transformation. And we are celebrating, again, 10 years of existence. And so if you would like to be a help to someone or support someone and may not know how or know where to begin, you can start just by sharing the sexual assault hotline. And that number is 1-800-656-4673. Again, that number is 1-800-656-4673. And again, if, you, if you're if you listening online or if you're listening by phone, you can always call in or press the number 1. If you're listening online, that number is 319-527-527. 6091. Again, that's 319-527-6091. Feel free to comment, ask any questions, and I'll do my very best to answer them, whether it's in regards to sexual assault or to one such transformation or my personal story. Uh, I'm pretty much, pretty, you know, open when it comes to sharing my story. And, and I do that so that I can help others. You know, there are so many parents that I've talked to before and, you know, just want to know the signs of it or those who have children who have fallen as victims of it, like what to do, what's the next step. So it's important that we know what resources are available within our communities. And if we can't look anywhere else, you know, we're going to go to the church because we know that the church is supposed to be the place where, we get answers and where we get healed, where we get, you know, solutions in a sense. And so that's why I, you know, harp that it's so important for the churches to have what? 
conversations. So it leads to awareness and to prevention. All right, so remember, oh, well, before, let me back it up, back it up, back it up. So I wanted to share or kind of focus on the meaning or the definition of what sexual assault is. Because like I said, there are some people who do not know exactly what sexual assault is or what it looks like. Because we can hear it. We can hear the terms. We can hear the terms and may not understand the whole terminology of it. But this is what it sounds like, looks like, and the definition of it. So sexual assault is when someone either touches another person in a sexual manner without consent. So again, it's when someone touches another person in a sexual manner without consent, or makes another person touch them in a sexual manner without consent. So that is the true definition in a nutshell of sexual assault. That's what it is. And even if you you know, need to know what it looks like or what it really means, this includes unwanted kissing, um, touching of someone's genitals, their breasts, or their bottom, i.e. their butt. And all of this is without consent. So that is the meaning of sexual assault. That's what it looks like. That's what it would sound like when we're talking about the terminology of it. So now let's take it to the spiritual side. Because remember, I told you that this is nothing new. The Bible even tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. So all of these things that have been happening in our lifetime, when it comes to sexual assault, guess what? It's been going on long before we've been here. And I'm about to show it to you. Those of you who did not um, hear the show a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> I'm getting ready to show it to you where it's in the Bible. And we're going to Second Samuel chapter 13. Second Samuel chapter 13. And so I'm going to read it actually in the message version. I read it in, I can't remember, I think I did the New Living Translation last time or the New King James Version, I can't remember. But this time I'm going to read it in, in the message version just so we can get a little more clarity so it can just give us the raw truth of what happened. So Second Samuel chapter 13, and it reads, sometime later this happened, Absalom, David's son, had a sister who was very attractive. Her name was Tamar. Amnon, also David's son, was in love with her. Amnon was obsessed with his sister, Tamar, to the point of making himself sick over her. And we're going to pause right there. Everything about those sentences is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Straight up ridiculous. Okay, so I understand that you have an attractive sister. You have a beautiful sister. You know, you may think that your sibling is handsome or your sister is beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But the, the problem comes in where it says Amnon, also David's son, so uh, his sister <laughs> was in love with her. Not that he loved her, but he was in love. Ew. Now we're talking about incest. I told you there's nothing new under the sun. Incest has been going on ever since. 
the Bible days. So her brother was in love with her. And it says that Amnon was obsessed with his sister Tamar to the point of making himself sick over her. He was so in love with her that he was just, how sick does that even sound? It goes on and says she was a virgin, so he couldn't see how he could get his hands on her. Like, really? Like, what in the world is going on in his sick mind? She was a virgin, so he couldn't see how he can get his hands on her. First of all, why are you having these sons? You're really trying to sleep with your sister? Oh, my goodness. Amnon had a good friend, Jonadab, the son of David's brother, Shemia. So, you know, this is his cousin. Jonadab was exceptionally streetwise. Oh, boy. From the street, so that means he's not, no, this is nothing new when it comes to scheming up a plan. So it says, Jonadab was exceptionally streetwise. He said to Amnon, why are you moping around like this day after day? You, the son of the king, tell me, what's eating at you? I mean, come on. Your father is King David. Why are you walking around here with your head hanging down and you acting all sick and everything? It's like, what is going on with you? You have everything that you could possibly need and probably want, but you're walking around here like a, a sad, sick puppy. What's going on? In a word, Tamar said, Amnon, my brother Absalom's sister, I'm in love with her. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so sickening. Oh, my goodness, so sickening. And we're talking about David's son being in love with David's daughter. Like, what kind of mess is this? Verse 5 says, here's what you do, said Jonadab. All right, with him being streetwise, he's coming up with a plan. He says, go to bed and pretend you're sick. When your father comes to visit you, say, have my sister Tamar come and prepare some supper for me where I can watch her and she can feed me. Look at this. <laughs> They're scheming up a plan. We're talking about like, hey, I'll tell you what you need to do. And like you sick and request to your father for your sister to come and cook for you so you can watch her. Come on. And so she can feed you. How low can you go? Ugh. Oh, my goodness. Verse 6. So Amnon took to his bed and acted sick. When the king came to visit, Amnon said, Would you do me a favor? Have my sister Tamar come and make some nourishing dumplings here where I can watch her and be fed by her. Verse 7. David sent word to Tamar, who was home at the time, Go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare a meal for him. How is it? That David did not see passive. You're a king. And, you know, man, man, man. It's it's amazing even then where we see, you know, even David being a man of God, a man of the God's heart. He was not able to see past, you know, his own son, Amnon, to see the trickery that was going on. And I get it. David probably, not probably, he had a lot going on. He was king. He was king of of Israel. 
So I know, I get it, he had a lot on his plate. But somehow, somehow he did not know his son, did not know how evil he was or his, or his nephew. He didn't know how evil they were, the scheme that they were coming up with. And so it's like, hey, okay, Tamar, I need you to go prepare a meal for your brother. <sighs> poor David and poor Tamar, because he, he cannot see past the trickery of the enemy and see past the trickery of his own son. <sighs> Verse 8, so Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house. She took dough, knitted it, formed it into dumplings, and cooked them while he watched from his bed. But when she took the cooking pot and served them, he wouldn't eat. Can you just imagine his sickening self looking at his sister while she's cooking? He's, you know, she's just thinking he's casually watching her cook, but not knowing he's really just obsessed over her and just, mm, looking at her, undressing her with his eyes and, and, and just the evil that's going on within his heart, a mess. This is a mess. Oh, my goodness. And then he said, but when she took the cooking pot and served him, he wouldn't eat. Oh, so you, you're ready to make your move. So she's trying to feed you, but you're not eating. But there's a reason why you're not eating, because you're not really hungry for any food. You're hungry for her. Verse 9, Amnon said, clear everyone out of the house, and they all cleared out. Then he said to Tamar, bring the food into my bedroom where we can eat in privacy. So now he wants to get her alone. He's cleared the house, making her think, hey, I want to have some one-on-one time with my sister, but not in a sister-brother loving way. Bring the food into my bedroom where we can eat in privacy. She took the nourishing dumplings she had prepared and brought them to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. Here she's thinking, hey, an innocent time, innocent time with my brother. But here's when things begin to change. says, but when she got ready to feed him, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, sister. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tamar thought she was there to help out her brother, take care of him, feed him, and then all of a sudden he's asking her to sleep with him? How do we get here? And so she goes on and says, no, brother. She said, don't hurt me. This kind of thing isn't done in Israel. Don't do this terrible thing. Where could I ever show my face? And you, you will be out on the street in disgrace. Oh, please, speak to the king. He'll let you marry me. And this is where I'm so conflicted and so confused about Tamar because I'm like, wait a minute. You understand what he's asking for. You tell him no, but then you say, hey, let's just ask dad. He'll let me marry you. I'm like, whoa. Uh, I'm, I'm so confused. This this part of the scripture, this part of the passage of the story, it just makes me, like, wonder, like, man, but, but I understand. I understand because I know what it's like when it's taken 
from you in such a manner, in such a traumatic way versus, you know, you not necessarily agreeing, but when you can actually consent or if you're willing to give it versus it being taken away. So in a sense, I get where Tamar is coming from. And and if you've never been through it, then you may not be able to understand what I'm saying right now. Because there is a difference, I'm telling you, there's a difference. And even if you may not have experienced it, we know that there is a difference when something is taken away versus you freely giving it or having the decision to actually give. And so she's put in this situation or in this traumatic experience or this traumatic moment when he wants to take her virginity, but she's willing to say, hey, don't do this. Don't make this decision. It's not going to turn out well for you. Instead, let me just marry you. Let's make it better on both of us. Look, I'm trying to, you know, it's not the best decision. It's not the best solution, but it's the best, you know, alternative. Yeah. Yes and no. But she said, I know he'll, he'll let you marry me. Let's do it that way. I'm, she was, in other words, she said, I'd much rather prefer to, you know, the other alternative. I'd rather marry you versus you take it away because it's not going to turn out well for neither one of us. Verse 14 says, but he wouldn't listen. Being much stronger than she, he raped her. Being much stronger than she, he raped her. And this is what she wanted to avoid. She wanted to avoid being in the experience of rape. But because he was stronger, she couldn't fight back. She tried, you know, she tried her very best to even talk him out of doing it, but he was stronger. He already made up his mind. He knew what he wanted. He was going after what he wanted. And that's how perpetrators are when they know that they are powerful or more powerful than their victims, when they know that their victims are weaker than they are. They take what they want. They just take it. Verse 15 says, no sooner had Amnon raped her then he hated her. You've got some nerve. You've got some nerve. Here you have tussled, you have fought with me, and because you were stronger, you raped me, and now you hate me? Doesn't make sense. Because he hated her. An immense hatred, strong hatred. The hatred that he felt for her was greater than the love he had for her. Man. After you raped me, you hate me more than you loved me in the first place. The obsession that you had, your hatred is stronger. And so he says, get up, he said, and get out. So now he's kicking her out. Now you've just become this, you know, lack of a better word, slut. You've just become an object. You were just, you know, something for the moment. And now I don't need you. I don't want you. And I hate you. So I, I need you out of my see you. I'm taking you out. You mean nothing to me. I hate you. 
She cries out, oh, no, brother. She said, please, this is an even worse evil than what you just did to me. This is an even worse evil than what you just did to me. You kicking me out, brother, is worse than you raping me because now you're looking at me with disgust. You're looking at me with hatred. You're looking at me as nothing, as if I meant absolutely nothing to you, even though I am your sister. But now you're looking at me with such hatred, with such animosity. Like, what did I do to you? You just raped me, but now you hate me. You're looking at me with disgust. What did I do to you? Maybe, just maybe, and this is just me thinking and talking. This is not scripture-based, but just maybe, just thinking on a psychological level, maybe Amnon was beginning to hate himself for what he just did. Because you know how you start having those, those second thoughts and those regrets whenever you know you messed up and you know it wasn't right. So just maybe. Mentally, he was in a state where he just knew he messed up and knew that he regretted what he just did and knew that he was going to have to, you know, someday pay for what he did. And so it's like, you know what, just get out. Get out. You're just a reminder of what I just did. You're a reminder of how I just messed up. I don't want to see you. Get out. But Tamar says, this is even worse than what you just did. Please don't kick me out. But he wouldn't listen to her. He called her for his valet. He called for his valet. Get rid of this woman. Get her out of my sight and lock the door after her. The valet threw her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long sleeve gown. That's how virgin princesses used to dress from early adolescence on. Tamar poured ashes on her head, then she ripped the long sleeved gown held her head in her hands, and walked away sobbing as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Has your brother Amnon had his way with you? So how, and, you know, I know we're getting close to our prayer in the end of the show, but how was it that Absalom was able to figure out what had happened? You know, it's like it was as if he knows. His brother. He knew what type of person Amnon was, and yet, and you, and you're just now realizing or saying something when you, you know, could have prevented maybe, I don't know, or said something to our dad about the the trickery behavior of our brother. But the first thing you said to me, has he had a way with you? Has he raped you? Then he says, now, my dear sister, let's keep it quiet. We hear this today. What happens in the house stays in the house. Let's keep it quiet, says a family matter. He is, after all, your brother. Don't take this so hard. Oh, I know this sounds, you know, just innocent, mere words. But for someone who has just been raped and to hear a family member, to hear their brother say, hey, let's keep quiet. It's a family matter. He is your brother. Don't take it so hard. What do you mean don't take it so hard? How do you think that made Tamar feel? Which is why this last sentence says, Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's home, bitter and desolate. And that's what we see today. There are so many bitter and desolate men and women because people have told them, don't take this so hard. (laughs) Let's keep quiet. 
He's your brother after all. He's a, a, a close family member. He's family. Don't take it so hard. Keep quiet. And that's why we have bitter and desolate men and women. My heart hurts for those who are still suffering silently, those who have not been able to find the courage to speak up or find their their voice or regain their power. But I am a firm believer that if you are still suffering silently, if you are still bitter, if you still feel like you are a desolate individual or living in a desolate place, I want to give you all the encouragement in the world that I can, that you do not have to remain in that bitter place or in that desolate place. You don't have to. You can make the decision. You can make the decision to come out of that place. I've been there. I know what it feels like. And I know it feels like you are trapped, but you are not trapped. The enemy wants to wants you to believe that you are trapped. Because the Bible declares that I come, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the enemy wants us to stay trapped. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not want you to share your story. He does not want you to find freedom. He does not want you to have peace and the joy that only God can give. He wants you to remain silent and to remain in that bitter and desolate place. But God wants you to find freedom because you know what? When he sets you free, then you are truly free. And it's a freedom like no other, not other. And I'm not saying that once you make that decision to heal that everything is going to be peaches and cream. Every day is not going to be sunshine. But it is a process. It is a journey. But I guarantee if you make that decision and allow God to be with you, he will be with you every step of the way. And I know that you've wanted to give up on God. I know that you've wanted to just forget about your whole spiritual journey because of what has happened to you. You feel like God has allowed this to happen to you and, and just left you in this bitter and desolate place. But no, that's not how God wants your life to end. You may have given up on him, but guess what? God has not given up on you. And you can make the decision tonight to heal and to welcome him back into your life or to even just welcome him into your life for the first time. You may have been suffering. You may have been hurt for a long time. But tonight, I want to encourage you to make the decision to welcome him in. All you have to do is is believe in your heart that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you and believe that he rose again, then guess what? You can be saved. And you will have a lifetime friend, someone who is with you on this journey every step of the way. But you have to make the decision. Say, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. So it's up to you to let him in. He's here at your door. He's waiting for you to receive him. And he loves you. He loves you, and I don't care what you may have done in the past, what you may have said. Guess what? We have a God who is just, and he's willing to forgive. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that we may have an eternal life. So all you got to do is believe in him. Confess and believe with your heart. 
And if you're ready to make that prayer, if you're ready to make that decision, I'm ready to lead you to that way. I'm ready to lead you to him. Remember, this is not about me, but it's all about the the glory of God. This is all about him getting the glory and so that you can begin a new life, so that you can become a new creature. And so if you're ready, I want you to pray with me. Father, I thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross and to save us from all of our sins. God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right. Lord, we believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us and that he rose again so that we might be saved. God, we ask that you heal our broken hearts. God, remove all bitterness. Remove all hatred. Remove everything that is not of you and replace it with your Holy Spirit. Replace it with your joy. Replace it with your peace and replace it with your strength. God, we thank you for how you have kept us. We thank you for even this moment to call on your holy name. Lord, I ask that you touch every listener everywhere, wherever they may be listening. God, touch everyone who has endured any traumatic experience. And, God, I pray that you give them the strength that they need to overcome. Lord, I ask that you lead them to the right resources that will help them on their journey. God, send people their way that are genuine, that are sincere, and that are serious about their healing journey. Lord, I know if you did it for me that you can do it for the next person. Bless every man, woman, boy, and girl who is even suffering in silence right now. Give them the strength. Give them the courage to speak up. And, Lord, I pray for those who are just sick, whether it's mentally, emotionally, or physically, God, we know that you are a healer. And, God, I pray that you heal only like you can. Those who are in the hospital suffering, God, I ask you to touch their bodies and heal in the name of Jesus. Those that are in the prisons, those that are in the nursing homes, God, send your word and do what only you can do. God, those who are mourning the loss of loved ones, God, comfort and strengthen only like you can. God, we pray for those that are in office and those that are, and that are a part of the authority and our president and everyone on down. God, look at all the world leaders. God, you know and you see the things that are going on in this world, but help us to lean and depend and trust in you because we know these things have to happen because you declared it in your word. But help us not to be afraid, but help us to trust in you even more. God, we love you. We thank you even for what's taking place right now. And, God, we ask for your forgiveness once again. Forgive us for anything that we may have said or done, any evil thought, any sin known or unknown. We ask for your forgiveness. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for having mercy upon us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Rob, and he's going to give us our announcement for Purpose Kingdom Network. Okay. Real quickly, 
We're going to the announcements. This is the Product Purpose Kingdom Network. I'd like to think, thank each and every one of you for joining us for tonight's episode, no matter where in the world you are. Whether you're listening to us online or listening to us via phone, we greatly appreciate your listenership and support for us here at Purpose Kingdom Network. And we also thank those that share with their friends and family members. <clears throat> when we do a live broadcast, we broadcast live on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. When we do a live call-in show, we do have a call-in number, which is 319-527-6091. And anytime you want to talk to the host, you just press the number one, and we'll get you in as quickly as we can. <clears throat> we also invite you, to li- uh, invite you to like us on our Facebook page, which is at Purpose Kingdom at Facebook, where you can see our upcoming shows and advertisements. And from time to time, we do make major announcements on this social media pages as well as others. We're also on Instagram and Twitter under the handle Purpose underscore Kingdom. Okay, and um, if um, you are in need of listening to music of inspiration, please check out pkn.com where you can hear 24 hours of music of inspiration. Please check it out and share it with your friends and family members. Also, uh, tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour, we will have a rebroadcast of Daughters of Roof, and that's going to be hosted by Reverend Maureen Lee. So once again, with God's will and God's blessing, please join us tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour for a rebroadcast of Daughters of Roof, and it's going to be hosted by Reverend Maureen Lee. Okay, with that, that's going to be the end of the announcements. And um, I'm going to hand the show back over to Minister Colvin. And, Minister Colvin, excellent show tonight. Thank you, Brother Rob, for those announcements, and thank you. So before we end, I um, would like to take a moment just to thank everyone who either called in or who's listening online for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in. I really do appreciate it, Um, and and I hope you understand and realize where my passion comes from when it comes to bringing awareness on sexual assault. And so the three things I want you to keep in mind is, you know, we have to begin with a conversation, which will lead us to awareness and ultimately prevention. It is so important that we all play our role. Like we all have a role in this, whether you are, you know, connected to a survivor or not. And most of the time we all are. We may not have a, you know, direct experience or may not be affected by it directly, but we are all affected by it indirectly because we know someone, whether they've made you aware or not, but we know someone who has been a victim of sexual assault. And it's up to us to be that support system that they need. And you may not be able to give them everything that they need, or you may not even know or understand what they need. But that is the purpose of the resources that I often give out each time I'm on um, on air. And so I've already given out the sexual assault hotline number, and I'll give that again, along with a couple of other resources. And so we have the sexual assault hotline again is 1-800-656-4673. And so another great resource that will help you if you're trying to learn more about what sexual assault is or how you can even help victims or support those, you know, family members or who happen to confide in you um, check out the website RAIN, which is R-A-I-N-N dot org. So that's R-A-I-N-N dot org. And RAIN is an acronym for Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network. And let me tell you, this organization has been such a huge help, not only for me, but so many others, whether they're victims, survivors, and supporters. They have helped so many people, you know, I'm on their email list. I'm one of their um, speakers for their speakers bureau. 
and just to hear how much they are providing and how much help they're providing for, you know, victims and survivors, it's amazing because it is much needed. Uh, you can find statistics that you need even if you want to start, you know, having the conversation within your community, your organization, your church. So please check it out. That's rain.org. And lastly, one in six stop org number one i n six org which is a great resource for male survivors and so again thank you so much for tuning in remember we need conversation awareness and prevention so if you don't remember anything else remember those three things and we can start there and you know help free some of our sisters and brothers who are still suffering silently all right, so that's going to do it. I will be back on air in a couple of weeks. And, again, we're celebrating 10 years of existence with One Touch Transformation. And so I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Remember, God loves you, and I love you, too. Have a good night. Jesus led. He raised me. I will not lose. He saved me. I will not lose. I will not lose. Never wanna see me down. I will not lose.